Arizona Sports Cardinals head coaching search update 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 Cardinals one of two teams still looking for a head coach in this cycle they've got seven candidates one of which Offensive coordinator from the New York Giants, Mike Kafka, uh, still being considered here to give us a closer look on Mike Kafka, the candidate for the Cardinals, is uh, Dan Duggan, covers the car, uh, the uh, Giants for the Athletic, and he joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Dan, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. How you guys doing? Doing well. Uh, Mike Kafka, kind of a new hot name in uh, coaching circles, 35 years old. I I mean, I, I remember Mike Kafka's... Uh, playing career quite quite clearly it doesn't seem like he's been gone that long uh at this point after one year as a coordinator dan how would you just sum up uh, his candidacy and how ready do you think he is to be a head coach in the nfl yeah i mean frankly i'm a little surprised he's been such a hot name he you know he really is interviewed for every opening um i think he's, i think every opening now uh, or at least he was rumored in denver maybe he never got there because obviously they pulled the trigger on peyton um, but yeah, I mean, he's young. This is his first year as a coordinator. They say he's not too far removed from playing. Uh, it's not like the Giants offense, uh, lit it up this year, but I think obviously people look at sort of his background and obviously what he had to work with this year. They see a lot of potential there. And if there's one trend in this league, everyone seems to be trying to find the next Sean McVay, uh, you know, that young up and coming offensive coach. So, uh, it doesn't surprise me he's been on the circuit. Um, you know, obviously some of those those dance cards are starting to fill up. So, I mean, Arizona might be his, his best shot at this point. But, yeah, no, he's definitely on sort of a, a meteoric rise, um, uh, you know, up to the coaching ranks. And, and, and we've seen that year after year. Some guys seem to be worth, worthy of it. Some people seem to flame out uh, the, the flavor of the months. What, what does your instinct tell you about his long-term viability as a head coaching candidate or as a head coach? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, the head coach question is the one that, you know, is, is impossible to answer. As, yep. as we see every year, you know, coaches get fired after one, two, three seasons. It's just, you know, it's a constant revolving door. So you really don't know until a guy gets in that position. Um, but, you know, he does have a really strong kind of lineage. You know, he, he played for a, a lot of different coaches, a lot of different systems. <clears throat> obviously, very tightly linked to Andy Reid. And, and that coaching tree has been pretty fruitful. And I think it was very beneficial and very intentional by him to leave Kansas City to come here where he would get more exposure because in Kansas City, you're always going to be under that Andy Reid shadow. You know, he's the one who calls plays. It's his offense. So by Kafka coming here, even though Brian Dable, you know, is certainly known as an offensive mind, Kafka was the offensive coordinator calling the plays. It wasn't as if, you know, he was you know, in title only. He was the one calling plays on Sunday. Uh, obviously, Dable has a lot of influence in the offense, but again, when he push came to shove, Kafka was, you know, saying what they're going to run on third and two. And, uh, you know, he was running the offense because Dable's whole thing was he wanted to be more of a CEO. So, um, you know, I think he is definitely, you know, built a strong resume in a short period of time. Uh, as far as how he'd do in that job, I mean, again, it's, you kind of just take the plunge unless you're going to hire a retread because there's really no way to, to forecast that as we see how often these guys get, these teams get it wrong. Very true. Dan Duggan, Giants beat reporter for The Athletic, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, it is only a one-year sample, and yes, it was a resurgent year for the Giants. They, they make the playoffs, and that offense had, had something to do with it. But, you know, during the course of the year, maybe through your eyes, maybe through the eyes of the fan base, Dan, what were some of the criticisms uh, of the Giants' offense? Offense under Mike Kafka this year. Yeah, well, it's funny. Man. I think you know, offensive coordinator is one of the positions you just write for criticism because everyone's sitting on the couch, you know, thinks they know better. And, and again, like this offense is not lighted up. But I think when you factor in the limitations they had personnel-wise, you know, I think it, it, he really did do a good job. So I mean, there was times during the year where you know, if you try a sort of a gimmick play in the red zone, it doesn't work. And obviously, you know, the offensive coordinator is an idiot. But 
Um, he actually, now that I mentioned that, he was fantastic in the red zone. And I actually think that's something he had a big influence on because you saw plays that certainly looked familiar to what they do in Kansas City. And the Giants had literally the worst red zone offense in the two pri- prior years. Yeah. They bring Dable, they bring Kafka in, and all of a sudden they're like seventh. And that, you know, that's again with not, you know, major upgrades personnel wise. A lot of that was scheme, very creative. Uh, but yeah, so you don't have a criticism. There's just games where obviously they didn't score a bunch, but I don't think. Uh, you know, he was exactly cut loose with the personnel. They had to try to, you know, put up 30 points. They were trying to manage games and win them, you know, 21 to 20, which they did. So, I mean, I think in, in that sense, job well done. And you see how the rest of the league received him that he got all this interest. Now, the Cardinals are kind of looking for a similar impact from their next head coach that Brian Dayball had, obviously, with the Giants. What intangible did he bring to that culture? How immediate was that culture change? And how rare is that to actually uh, find on the market? Yeah, well, I mean, listen, I've, I'm very well-versed in coaching changes. I've been on the beat since 2016, and Dable's, <laughs> Dable's the fourth head coach I've covered. So I've seen this all kind of happen, and a lot of times it's the honeymoon period, and, and then that wears off pretty quickly. But, no, he definitely, through year one, which is obviously all we can evaluate, he did a phenomenal job of, of changing the culture. I mean, I think the thing is, too, a lot of times you have a coach with one personality. When you fire him, you want to bring in sort of a different personality. So Joe Judge, very kind of – disciplinarian, strict. You bring in Dable, who's much more of a people person, made it a much looser atmosphere, more of a player's coach, and obviously players responded to that. And then you still have to, you know, be, you know, authoritative at times. But I think he did a good job of, of loosening the culture up. And then obviously once the team has success, it kind of snowballs in a positive way. So uh, Kafka, though, is not a Brian Dable. I mean, Brian Dable is kind of a gregarious guy, especially with his players, maybe not always at the podium. Kafka is definitely a more reserved guy. So I would be curious to see – uh, how that would translate to like leading the whole team. Cause you know, obviously he led the offense, but it's different when you have so many more dynamics when you're in the head coaching office compared to you're really just worried about what the offense is going to do. So that is something that, you know, obviously I'm sure these owners are trying to figure out and get to know him better in these interviews. Cause I can't answer that. Cause again, he's never been in that position, but I don't know, like looking at his personality and how he conducts himself, he isn't this, huge presence. So I am curious how that would translate. Talking with Dan Duggan, who covers the New York Giants for the Athletic here on uh, Arizona Sports. And if the Cardinals go down the road, Dan, of hiring an offensive head coach, that coach is going to be tied to the development, the unlocking of Kyler Murray moving forward because he's the franchise quarterback whenever he comes back from the knee injury. Um, When you look at Mike Kafka's, um, and the numbers won't blow you away, but everybody who watched the Giants this year will say, hey, Daniel Jones made strides in year four. How much of that had to do with Mike Kafka and specifically how much, or what, what did you see Daniel Jones improve uh, this year? Yeah, it's a good question because obviously it's hard to maybe divvy up who gets the credit because it gets Abel's an offensive guy, then you bring Kafka, and then also the quarterback's coach, who actually, uh, he's got no C looks too. So everyone kind of associated with the Giants offense and Daniel Jones. Um, has gotten praise and gotten recognition for the job they did. But, no, I think Kafka uh, definitely played a big part. Because even you go back in Kansas City, you know, he worked very closely with Patrick Mahomes. So, again, you can't, you know, give him credit for Patrick Mahomes' development, but he at least played a role in that. So that's encouraging. He has a track record now with two guys where uh, he at least helps get the most out of them. And with, with Daniel Jones, the biggest thing he did, because early in his career he showed promise, but he was just a turnover machine. Mm-hmm. And slowly but surely, even the previous regime cut back on that. But this year, they cut back on it significantly. I mean, he actually had the, the lowest interception rate in the league. They really unlocked him as a dual threat. And so much of that, I feel like, was coaching because his big problem a lot of times was if he's stuck in the pocket and he gets stripped and you wouldn't feel the pressure. They definitely coached him. You know, you hit the back of your drop, take off, get out of there before there's any trouble. Obviously, that's not something that would be far to Kyle Murray. So 
uh, that you know that could be a great fit in terms of kind of coaching a dual threat quarterback. Obviously, Murray has you know far more athleticism even than Daniel Jones, so um, that could be a great fit. And um, yeah, I, I think his tracker with quarterbacks would be very intriguing. And that's why so many teams at least want to talk to him just to kind of get a sense for him, um, you know, and see if he is ready. I saw earlier today that Brandon Ayuk, who's got obviously Arizona ties from his days in college, he uh, he seemed to like some social media posts of him in a Giants uniform, and clearly the Giants wouldn't mind giving Daniel Jones or whomever a number one wide receiver. I guess my big question is this. What's coming for this franchise now? Because as you pointed out, you've covered this team through a, through a pretty prolonged valley, and, and the return of New York football was one of the big storylines last year in the NFL. What, what about the excitement? What about the momentum? and where this whole thing is going for fans of the Big Blue. Yeah, no, I, mean, I think the excitement and optimism level is really high. At the same time, this is a really critical offseason for them because, uh, you know, Joe Shane, the GM, came in with Dable and sort of just pushed all the big decisions down the road one year and, and kind of let guys like Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley play out their rookie contracts. But now it's time to make, you know, big-time, you know, nine-figure decisions, really, in the, in the Daniel Jones discussion, so... Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out. I mean, the early indications are like Daniel Jones bringing him back as a priority. I think they want to just lock him up on a long-term deal, which, you know, I think you still do that with some trepidation because it's only been one year. And as you said, it wasn't like he set the world on fire, um, but just sort of the other options they may or may not have. I think they're going to just have to go down that path. Then Saquon Barkley becomes the sort of next domino. Do they bring him back? I mean, we've seen that, Big second contract for running backs haven't really panned out. Uh, and then, you know, they still have to – it's funny, they had a really good year. They won a playoff game. They have major needs. And you, you mentioned Brandon Ayuk. Like, do they make a big Stephon Diggs-type swing? Obviously, Shane was in Buffalo for that to get a you know a number one wide receiver, whether it be him or T. Higgins, some of these names you hear thrown around as potentially being available. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating offseason. Like, again, they took a huge year one step, but year two isn't going to just be like, let's run it back. They have some big decisions to make that's going to really shake the, the next couple of years of this franchise. Dan, thanks so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate the uh, the time and the insight. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys.